Welcome to the Frontline Response to Health and Homelessness podcast series. This series is based on the articles published in the March 2020 edition of Parody Magazine, available on the link accompanying this podcast. That magazine and the podcast series give voice to those with lived experience of homelessness, those working on the front line, and those that support the sector in delivering services to people who are homeless. My name is Dan Fleming, and I'm delighted to introduce our host, John Willis, who leads the inclusive health team for St. Vincent's Health Australia. John will introduce our guest in just a moment. As we're recording during the COVID-19 pandemic, both John and our guest will be with us by phone for this episode. John Willis, over to you. Thanks, Dan. And it's my pleasure to um, introduce Raina Ogren, who's the Senior Research Fellow at Bolton Clark, formerly known as the Royal District Nursing Service, RDNS. I love you to have on, on, on this podcast series, Raina. Welcome. And how are you going today? I'm very well, thank you. It's a real pleasure to actually be involved. And thank you for asking. Oh, Great. Well, look, your um, your title of your article gets the vote for the happiest title. Uh, that's a bit of a pun. Um, it's all about happy feet, and uh, and it's a collaboration, of course, between Bolton Clark Co Health uh, and Footscape here in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. So, the focus of your article was to describe the foot health needs of homeless people, with the aim to improve access to care. So, to kick off. Could you outline for us what what are the feet problems that homeless people are experiencing and what is the extent of the problem? Well, actually, we don't really know and it's one of the reasons we're doing this project. Um, Others internationally have found that foot problems are frequently identified in people who are experiencing homelessness when they go to GPs and that um, the foot problems can include skin and nail care, um, biomechanical issues, which means how the foot hits the ground and the way the bones and and the joints work, as well as other chronic diseases that could cause serious foot issues and we do know that foot and leg pain is also common Um, but the problem is that we know that the studies that have done in the past accessing GPs um, only 16% of people experiencing homelessness had access to podiatry and so Mm. and the people that were in these other studies you know three quarters of these had one off um, episodes of care and foot problems we know do happen quite a bit so we know there's a trigger that this group aren't getting the care they they need but we don't have any published data on homelessness and foot problems in Australia but having said that uh, Rebecca Mannix is the podiatrist at CoHealth and a collaborator on this work um, did put together some information on about 135 clients they saw over a three-month period a few years ago and they found out of 135 people and um, they had um, about three over 340 issues related to their foot problems and on average wow. yeah each person had around two issues and the most common issue was skin and nail care and three quarters had an issue with related to their skin and nails and mm. you know around you know, 60% had um, issues with their footwear um, and, and about just under 50% had issues with their biomechanics, so the way that their foot hit the ground. Sure. So just of interest from the, from the research that you've, you've, you've looked into this, the homeless people get a higher rate of foot issues than those that are not homeless? Is, does homelessness exacerbate this issue? 
but we don't know that per se. But having said that, a lot of people that are experiencing homelessness are on their feet a lot. And, you know, yeah. walking is a way to reduce the anxiety. They often get don't have a place where they can rest. So it wouldn't be surprising if it is a bigger problem than the general population. But that's something that we actually don't have the information. Mm. I remember sharing a, ha- a house with a, a fellow with uh, mental health issues many years ago and he used to go walking the whole evening. He used to walk for 10 hours straight yep. Yep. Um, and it was to deal with his mental health issues and he did have significant problems because he w- used to wear out his shoes quite, yep. quite quickly. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've been a bit familiar with that. So tell me, what's the level of access to podiatry services What do people, homeless people have? Mm-hmm. And what happens when they don't get this treatment that you're saying that they need? What, what, what's the evidence showing us? So generally podiatry um, that's low cost and more accessible to people experiencing or at risk of homelessness is available from um, community health centres, certainly in Melbourne. But, you know, these are really busy. They've got waiting lists for months in many instances. Yeah. And, you know, people experiencing homelessness generally prefer not to wait too long and so wouldn't generally access this kind of mainstream service. Um, there are emergency spots that these centres can leave open um, and that's sometimes taken by this group but really a more outreach flexible approach is needed and, and that's what CoHealth has um, flexibility within their approach because they're a service uh, specifically targeted at, at people experiencing homelessness and they have both assertive outreach and clinical care in, in a central place that's open for people to drop in and they don't have to make such long term appointments um, yeah. but but if they don't access care that they need, well, then the issue can become serious enough to need a hospital admission. And, and it's documented that people experiencing homelessness are frequent users of emergency departments. And, you know, despite um, comprising less than 10% of all emergency department users, they account to, uh, for up to one third of all emergency department visits. And, and that's usually due to the lack of resources and, and a real crisis-driven response faced by people experiencing homelessness when attempting to access the, the mainstream mm. services. And, and unfortunately, care isn't coordinated so they mm. tend to get um, you know, poorer care and outcomes and so then they tend to develop preventable long-term chronic conditions that could be really painful and, and or disabling. Mm. And end up costing the health system quite a lot of money. I, I wonder whether you've considered doing a cost-benefit analysis if you've got uh, good accessible podiatry services available homeless people, whether there might be a cost savings. Mm. Mm. Anyway, maybe for future thinking. Um, so, uh, so your pilot projects, so this between Bolton Clark Co-Health and Footscape, mm. has offers a range of. You've run this pilot project. Can you just outline how that, um, how this pilot project has worked? Yep. So I think it might help if I tell you a bit about how this project started. Um, sure. Igniting Change, it's a small organisation that's passionate about sparking big positive change with people doing it tough in our communities. And, and they consulted with people who were rough sleeping in the CBD. And they saw um, that foot problems were a real issue. And so they gave um, uh, donated $5,000 to Bolton Clark Homeless Persons Program to respond to this. And so that's when um, the Homeless Persons Program, or HPP, um, approached us in the Institute and said, oh, look, we've got some money. Um, we wanna, we're already doing some work with CoHealth and 
Foodscape also approached HPP. And so um, HPP does provide outreach and clinical health care by nurses to people at risk or experiencing homelessness. And CoHealth, as I said before, provides the podiatry. And mm-hmm. Foodscape is a not Profit, not-for-profit um, organisation that recognises disadvantaged communities specifically related to their foot pathology, so having foot problems. And so oh. they work yeah, to assist these individuals to try and improve their quality of life by providing podiatry care, footwear, socks and foot first aid kits in Melbourne. And the CEO there is Anthony Lewis. And um, in um, HPP, Marianne Rushford manages the program and Joe Fallon is also working on this project. And so we um, at the Institute, we focus on getting the evidence into practice to make real positive change to the lives of our community members. And I work in this team and our Institute is led by um, Professor Judy Lothian. So all of us together um, uh, are working together to try and look at what going on with the foot health of people experiencing homelessness and basically the nurses um, from HPP in their outreach work come across people experiencing homelessness and they make are now making greater efforts to ask about the foot health of people they see and then um, if they see someone and they have a chat and they and they realize look you know what you'd benefit from from going to podiatry they refer them to co-health um, if they think it will help and they also mm. ask them whether they need any shoes socks first aid kits and they can provide that if that person needs it. Um, If they are referred to the co-health podiatry, Rebecca then sees them in her clinic and she too can provide the person the shoes or the socks or the first aid kits if if they haven't received them. And and the funding that Igniting Change has provided, that's actually going to fund vouchers for people to obtain new shoes. And so Mm. our role Um, The project part aims to document the impact of this collaborative approach to foot health care service delivery on those clients um, uh, that HPP sees and have linked to co-health to look at that access to service and what foot health outcomes there are. And so we can describe who those people are, um, provide the supports, um, and if Rebecca does see them at the podiatry, we can collect information on what those foot health problems are, the outcomes of their care, as well as the usage of that footwear, the socks and the foot first aid kits that are provided by Footscape. And so in this way, we can find out what the needs are of this group and use this information to advocate more broadly about the foot health care needs of people experiencing homelessness. Sounds like your methodology is rock solid. <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. Um, so, look, uh, I suppose that you're, you're obviously undertaking this evaluation about what works and what doesn't. Have you got any early findings you could share, especially with us today, something you haven't published maybe or any <laughs> any secrets that you could... Any exciting changes in world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what could you share with us today that maybe you haven't quite put pen to paper yet? <laughs> yeah. So we're still collecting um, the data, so we haven't really looked at it closely, but especially for this uh, this interview, we've got... Oh, um, <laughs> beautiful, love it. <laughs> so we've got 44 people that we've got um, enrolled um, in, in the program um, and we've collected information on their ages. So they're ranging from the young adult to 
79 years old, um, of their medical, mental health and cognitive issues. A small number didn't have any of these issues, but and one had a combination of 20 of these issues altogether. And on every wow. average, I know, on average they're having just under three issues. So these guys mm. tend to have quite a number of problems um, overall. But about yes. their health issues, I mean, this includes things like, you know, callous, thick skin, having nail issues, things like um, ingrown toenails, really thick nails, breaks in their skins, wounds and things, yep. pain when they're walking for a variety of reasons. So again, having um, biomechanical issues relating to the way that their foot works, as well as uh, footwear issues, diabetes-related issues, and some fungal infections, things like that. And we also know that those um, that the nurses have referred to the co-health podiatry, around two-thirds of them did take up that offer to go to the podiatry for foot care. Um, so we know that a third just haven't gone, so we need to kind mm. of figure out what's going on there because the nurses didn't re refer them for a reason. So, so we're still going and we're aiming to reach for 50 people, so we have a nice round number to be able to provide a really nice picture of who um, this group are, what their issues are, and what supports they need so that we can actually help them address those issues that they have. Mm. Now you mentioned, thank you for that, you mentioned mm. then something that just pricked my interest is pain. Yes. Um, is there any sense that um, the pain that people are experiencing through their feet, they may be trying to self-medicate? Ah, not that mm. I, we, we did not ask that. Mm. Okay. No, so that's okay. not. So. Because because I do know we we do know that there is um, self medication going on through illicit drugs um, and ah. you know and and bought prescription drugs to deal with a range of um, physical health issues that um, that are causing pain for people who are living on the streets and who are homeless. But I just wondered if there was any specific reference in your study to that. But that's okay. Mm. Um, interesting thought. Look, anyway. Um, we were actually conducting this interview during the COVID-19 epidemic, as you're aware. You could, you'd have to be living on a different planet if you didn't know <laughs> COVID-19. Um, but from, from your project and the work um, and the frontline healthcare provision that you've been studying and evaluating, do you think this crisis might, um, and the way that we might work coming out of COVID-19, do you think there's going to be any recommendations to how we might improve podiatry services and you know, how we might need to change how they're done? Yeah, so, look, yeah, so uh, unfortunately, foot care can't be done remotely. I'm afraid you kind of need to be... You can't do telehealth? No, <laughs> so that's interesting, yeah, because it's one of those things, isn't it, because a lot of stuff you can do online, but unfortunately with the feet, you tend to have to be really hands-on because mm. often it's because there's a lot of thick skin, There's callus, it needs to be removed and when you're doing an assessment to look at how the foot works because a lot of the pain comes about often because the way the bones are structured and the way the muscles insert that you mm. really need to kind of look at what's happening there to be able to know what's going on. It's really hard to do if you're not physically there. But, um, you know, a lot of uh, um, issues, um, a lot of vulnerable groups are really being identified and brought to the fore because of COVID-19. So I'm really hoping that, you know, this community spirit that's starting to come out a lot more mm -hmm. will help us um, recognise the need to provide the supports for vulnerable groups or people that really do need that support um, when they need them to make them easier to access so that in a way that this group feel comfortable to access. But it's also raising um, that awareness that if your feet hurt, something can be done about it and that mm. there are 
are groups out there that can get you shoes, socks, provide foot first aid and kits if you need them and that there are some um, supports out there that can help link um, people experiencing homelessness to services that are friendly and um, uh, uh, um, provide respect and uh, support that, that they need. You mentioned there, thanks for that, Raina, you, you, did, you did actually mention that collaboration between agencies and services. Mm. It seems to be heightened during COVID-19. There's been this really uh, an extra effort to work more collaboratively together. Um, and I've, I've been hearing that as well from others that I've spoken to, not only on this podcast series, but also elsewhere. So look, I, I'm really hoping um, that we do get uh, an improved coordination of services for vulnerable groups post this um, and some of those barriers to that coordination or collaboration can hopefully dissolve away a bit more. I'm just hoping that also housing, look at the housing, God, mm. that would be so good. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, look, Lana, one, one, one sort of last question I've been asking most people on this show, but you're, you're a researcher, so this mm. becomes an, an interesting one. Um, but what, what story or encounter or experience in life have you had that inspires you to keep doing the work you're doing? And research does, and we need evidence base in healthcare to make a difference and to make the right changes. Um, but what, what, what's, what's sort of in a story that's inspired you to keep doing the work that you're doing? Um, so I've done a few pro projects with our Homeless Persons Program, um, but one particular program, program I was involved with really nicely captures um, what, what uh, really touched me. Because um, the Bolton um, Clark nurses were asked to provide some services in some supported residential services in northwest Melbourne. And, and um, I'm not sure if you know, but these services house people at risk of homelessness who have so mm. many wellbeing issues. Um, and yeah. they're privately funded and there's very little support that were provided in there and so we actually um, held focus groups to ask the residents about their needs and really all they wanted was to be treated like a normal person they just wanted to be listened to and just mm. to be treated with respect that anybody would expect and I thought you know what that's not really asking much is it and we just need to do better and so I just thought you know what we just need to do a lot more work in this area to give this pe these people the respect that they need. Mm, beautiful giving the disempowered a voice and, mm. listened, and listening to their story. Mm. Raina it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for your time. Thank you. To subscribe to a printed copy of Parity Magazine visit chp.org.au forward slash parity this podcast series has been developed by st vincent's health australia for more information about st vincent's visit www.svha.org.au the music track for this podcast is called slow burn by kevin mcleod host of incompetech.filmmusic.io and is licensed under the creative commons 4.0 by attributions license this information, information about our guests and more can be found in the text under the podcast description. Thanks for listening.